I'm going to try something new, but it's going to take your prayers to help me pull it off. I'm going to try to uh, get here at 9.30. You see? You see it? Because what I want to start doing at 9.30 is I want you guys to, uh, anybody who has a, a question about a scripture or something, um, email me a, a, um, the scripture, the question or whatever, or if you want to just hand me the, the uh, scripture or the question, you know, one Sunday. Um, and what I'll do is I'll pick out one of the questions and I'll prepare an answer uh, the next Sunday. Um, so, if, and then, so the first 15 minutes from 9.30 to 9.45, I'm just going to take a question and we'll answer it. Um, I'm also going to be take, take any impromptu questions, too, because sometimes, you know, you won't have a question until that moment, and that's fine, too. But I'm going to try to answer, um, you know, a question that, you, that you've been thinking about. You can email me during the week or whatever. And then also, if you have an impromptu question that morning, if we have time for it, I'll be glad to take it, too, because I love just the impromptu stuff, too. So, so pray for me to get here at 930. So... All who, uh, all who want to be here early from 9.30 to 9.45 is going to be just questions and answer kind of stuff. If there's only three people here, that's fine with me. I'll just take that question and talk about it, you know. Um, and then 9.45, we'll start the regular. So we won't lose anything because I'm usually starting at 9.45 anyway. That takes more faith, brother. Now, if I leave the house at 9.15, I can make it here. It's so weird because, I, I you know, it's, it's not a big deal. Just leave the house. <laughs> this is my private email that goes right to me. So if you have a question, scripture, whatever, just send me a, a scripture, question, whatever it is. and then uh, Or if you want to just handwrite it and just hand it to me one Sunday, that's fine too. And then uh, I'm going to start trying to do that at 9.30, from 9.30, 9.45, question and answer. And then we'll start the no- normal, regular teaching at 9.45. I'm going to try to end by 10.15, 10.20. I know. That's okay. I love questions um, because it tells me where people are maybe hung up on something, you know, like a verse that, um, like Daryl asked me about this verse in this book and um, got his answer for this. It's, it's really cool how you can see where things are, might be troubling. You know, Paul talked about those who trouble the saints with legalism. Tri- they, those who trouble you, he said in Galatians, you know, because they're mixing the work of Christ with law. It's troubling to the saints. So, um, anyway, okay, cool. So, Marie, uh, we'll have your question next week, right? Yes. Okay, no, I'm kidding. No, I'm just telling Marie, the group, that if you, want to, if you have a question, just email me a question or write something down. And then um, we'll, at 9.30, Lord willing, 9.30, 9.45, we'll be talking about questions and answers. Sounds good. All right, saints, what I'd like to do this morning is I didn't get finished with um, the message last Sunday, Walking in the Spirit. And there were four points in that outline that was on the bulletin 
that I didn't get to really. I just kind of hurriedly said a few thoughts about that. But I want to talk a little bit about that and wrap up that thought. Um, I felt really good about those two Sundays. You know, first Sunday talking about what it means to be in the Spirit. Paul said in Galatians 5.25, Since we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And I love... I love how it flowed and everything. I feel so good about, I think a lot of light bulbs went on about what it means to be in the spirit, that it's a state of being, that it is truly uh, living in a parallel universe. It's really living in another world in him. Uh, Remember Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And the place that he prepared, as we said last two Sundays ago, is a place inside him. He is the house of God. He said, in my father's house are many dwelling places. He prepared a place within himself for man and so that we could be in him. And of course, Paul says, we are now become the living stones of the house of God, the temple of God. We are the temple. We are the living stones, a habitation of God by the spirit. So he prepared this place through his death and resurrection so that we could actually live in him. We're in the sun. The sun is in us. But he also said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that you may be where I am. Two different things. Prepare a place for you that you may be where I am, where I am. So the place he prepared was in himself. We are in him. The place where he is, is heaven. So we are truly seated in heavenly places. We're in the heavenly realm where he is. So this parallel universe that we live in called the kingdom of heaven is where you live now as you walk the earth. This is awesome. The kingdom of heaven is within, Paul said, and Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is not coming like men think. It shall be within you. So when Jesus prepared a place for us inside himself through his death and resurrection, then we now are where he is and he is in heaven. So heaven has come to you through him. Isn't that awesome? And so we have been translated, not when our body dies, but the moment you believed. When you received the Spirit of God, when I received the Spirit of God, I was miraculously translated from the kingdom of this darkness, from being a person from below, from being a person of the Adamic race, to a person now from above, for a person from the last Adam of the new creation. In a moment, translated into the kingdom of the beloved son. So now as I walk the earth, I'm actually in heaven. Now that world that where the son lives is a world where there's the favor of God 24-7. There's no, there's no sin in heaven. There's pure righteousness. And in heaven, things don't live by the knowledge of right and wrong. In heaven, things live by life. Things are in heaven. Things are not going to be. All these things are yours and mine now. So as, we, as he is, so are you now in this world. This is the glad news of the kingdom of heaven. When they went to share the good news of the kingdom of heaven... With signs and wonders following, when that, when that realm broke out in healing and, and miracles and all kinds of things, what they were demonstrating was another world had invaded their world. 
They could see it with their eyes with the, with the physical. That's why Jesus said one time, he said, which is easier to say? Wait, let me say back up a little bit. He said that because he had said a few minutes before to a man, your sins are forgiven. Don't be afraid. The Pharisees grumbled in their heart that he blasphemes. He blasphemes. He says only God can forgive sins. Jesus, perceiving what they were saying in their heart, said, why do you say such things in your heart? He said, which is easier for me to say with my words? Your sins be forgiven or rise up and walk? The man was lame. So you might know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth. I say to the man, I give you something to see. Rise up and walk. And he rose up and walked. And the Pharisees, you know, backed up like we've never seen things like this. But he wanted them to see something. But the invisible reality was that he had the power to forgive. That's what his work really is mostly about. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So that he could be joined to us and we to him. So you live in this other world, this kingdom of heaven, this other realm. This is what it means to be in the spirit. And you have and I have the righteousness of God. There's no sin in heaven. Sin is not imputed in heaven. There's no law in heaven. There's no law in heaven. Things don't live by law in heaven. Things live by life. And I saw heaven and I saw the tree of life. And I saw the river of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the tree of life. Life, his life, God's life, everything flows from life. There is no tree of the knowledge of good and evil in heaven. Just the tree of life. Christ himself, our life. It's awesome. <coughs> this is what the Spirit is renewing our minds to. We live in that realm now. We are his bride now. We are his wife now. This is a whole other message, but we're not waiting to get married, saints. I know there's a lot of teaching out there that we're, we're just engaged to Jesus. And that if we're a good, a good uh, bride-to-be, then maybe he'll marry us one day. No. Listen, if he's one with you, and you're one with him, and Paul says this is like a man who leaves his mother and father and joins himself to his wife, and they become one. Even so, this is Christ in the church. Then if we're not married, then something's wrong. But we are married. Do you realize in the book of Revelation, there's not a single scene of a wedding? There's no scene of a wedding in the book of Revelation. Just the marriage feast. It's the reception. It's the reception. The scripture says in the book of Revelation... Behold, I show you the Lamb's wife. Well, when did that happen? The wife? Yes. You. Paul says in, Re- in Re- Ephesians 5, just as a husband nourishes his wife and encourages his wife, so does Christ nourishes and cherishes his bride. You're not just engaged. You're in it for the long haul. You're married. You're married. We're married. That's right. Oh, no. Absolutely not. There's, there's, it's, it's like, it's awesome. The scripture says to Israel, God, God spoke to the prophets to Israel and said, the, the day is going to come 
When you will no longer call me Lord, you shall call me Nisi. Or no, no, Isi. Isi. Ishi. Ishi. You shall call me Ishi, which means husband. Not that we don't call him Lord, of course. He is Lord, and we'll always call him Lord, of course. But what he's saying there is that the, the Lord-servant relationship that he had under the law with Israel, Lord-servant, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but friends. See, God says to the prophets, the day's coming when you no longer call me just Lord, but you'll call me husband. That has taken place through Christ. The husband has come. And the husband has joined himself to us. Awesome. Hallelujah. And so now we have his life in us and we are in him. And we as his bride speak of him. As the last few verses of Revelation says, And the spirit and the bride say come to the world. The spirit and the bride say come. Come and drink. All you are thirsty. Come and drink of my my. My bridegroom, my husband. Come drink of my husband. Come, come learn of my husband. All that you're seeking for. He is altogether lovely. Come and learn of my beloved. Who holds me. Under the apple tree. Come and learn the delights of my husband. Come and learn who I am joined to. Come, come. All you are thirsty. Come and drink. The bride says that to the world before his coming, before he comings to take his bride away. And they have, and we have, the awesome feast in the heavens and celebrate. That's when he said in Luke, when I come again, my people shall sit down and I shall gird myself and serve them. See, it's unheard of that the, the Lord himself would serve us at that feast. But that's the humility of our God, that he would sit down and serve us. It's just, it boggles our mind. It's like, we feel like Peter. No, 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 you shall not wash my feet. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't wash my feet. It boggles our minds. The humility of God. But that's what transforms us. When we see him as he is, we become humble like he is. We become as he. It's awesome. It's his way. Lord, I pray in the next next few minutes that we'll be able to see clearly how to eat how to eat spiritual food that we might have strength to walk in the spirit thank you Lord for this awesome work oh God God with us Emmanuel we sing Noel God with us Joyful, joyful sound. Oh, Emmanuel, with us always, even until the end of the world. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for taking us beyond our wildest imaginations. Oh, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man what God prepared for those who love him. But your spirit has revealed these things to us. Your spirit. Abba, Papa. Come to me, all you are heavy laden. Now I will give you rest. Don't be afraid. Your faith has healed you. Come to me. 
I am the life. I am the life. I have become your life. To live is Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this awesome view of the unseen. For he who sees the invisible God can endure all things. And they who know their God in the last days shall be strong and do exploits beyond our wildest imaginations. For he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ever ask or even think according to the power that works within us. All glory be to Jesus, Lord of all, our King. Thank you, Lord, for the favor of God because of Christ. Amen. I really felt just in a spirit of prophecy. Wow. God is so good. That was the prophecy. <laughs> See, we're so used to like, prophecy's got to be like, thus saith the Lord. That was the prophecy. Cool. Okay. Let's talk about this real quickly. I, I quoted this verse in 1 Kings chapter 19. Because um, I love this verse in 1 Kings 19. It says, suddenly an angel, this was in the program last Sunday. Suddenly an angel touched him. Speaking of Elijah. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Now, Elijah, you know, he was in a place of depression, discouragement. And he had just, you know, he had just seen this incredible miracle. And he thought this surely would turn Israel back to God. You know, when the fire came down, prophets of Baal couldn't make their God bring fire down. And, and it didn't change anybody's heart. And he thought, what is going on? I, I guess I'm just a failure. I mean, I just, I can't, I, I didn't turn Israel. I, I, they, they saw this miracle and, and I'm just a failure. So he was very down on himself. So he was, he was heading back to the mountain of God where, where Moses received the covenant. He, he, he just wanted to go to a place on earth that was close to God. He was, he, he, in his own mind, he's thinking, if I just go back to where it, where it all began, maybe that'll help me, okay? So he's going back to this place where it all began, the covenant that God cut with Moses, at least where it began for the old covenant of, of law. And that's where this happens. And so he's moving, he's running back to this mountain trying to find some kind of an, some answers. Um, and an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. Arise and eat. That is, saints, that is the secret to walking in the Spirit. Is, however we may get discouraged or whatever struggle we're going through with the flesh, no matter what is happening in the world, never forget to arise and eat. Arise and eat. God made eating in the natural a pleasurable thing. I mean, don't you just hate it when someone says, you know, you got to go to Ruth Chris and eat some steak. <laughs> I mean, isn't it just drudgery to have to go and eat sushi or, you know, pizza, good home cooking. I mean, it's just a painful thing to eat those mashed potatoes. No, and the reason why it's not is because God made in the natural 
He shows us in the natural what is true in the spiritual. So in the natural, we enjoy eating. We enjoy the fellowship. We enjoy breaking bread together. We, we enjoy the fellowship and the eating. And that is what is true in the spiritual. If eating in the spiritual is a, is a drudgery or not pleasant, then it's legalism. If you feel like you've got hay in your mouth, wood, hay, stubble, that's not the spirit of God. Eating of Christ is pleasurable. It's a spiritual pleasure to eat of Christ. It's like the filet mignon of heaven. It's the best. So if we don't enjoy eating of Christ, then something's wrong in our thinking. And, and I do say eating of Christ because that is the meal. See, it's not, it's, it's, it's not really a lot of things. It's very simple. Eating of him. And I want to share some thoughts about that, what that really means. Because I think it'll help us all, you know, just to, to eat. I mean, it's so cool to realize that there are two things that God wants us to do. He wants us to eat and he wants us to rest. If you eat and you rest, you can make the journey. And when I say make the journey, I don't mean make it to heaven. Because as we just said, heaven has already made it to you. Heaven has made it to you because of Christ. Heaven has come to us. He is Jacob's ladder. He has come to us. Heaven is inside you now because you're in Christ. So you're not trying to make it to heaven. But you're going to make it through this world bearing much fruit with flying colors. And as Russ, when Russ passed away, the heavens are going to rent with lightning and thunder. You hear hear what happened when Russ passed away in his home? Unbelievable thunderstorm that was on beat all records. The, the moment Russ passed away, the thunder, the lightning was like unbelievable as Russ passed into the heavens. And so much so that Noel, who spoke here a while back, looked up the weather reports and see what was, what was going on. Unbelievable record lightning. People talked about it. It was on the news like they never had seen such lightning explosion in the sky. Like Hazel said, I think Russ was a big cheese in heaven. <laughs> he was a big cheese in heaven. We don't even, people don't even realize who was among us. He was a big cheese. God says, come on. Come on, son. That's what I mean by making the journey. We're going to make it and, and, and leave here in flying colors and lightning blast and whatever. And fireworks. <clears throat> Because Jesus said, some will bear 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. I want to be the 100-fold. But they're all, he loves them all. But we don't want the enemy to hinder us or keep us. We don't want to believe lies and not believe truth. We don't want to be unfruitful. We want to be as fruitful as possible. That's why Paul says, I forget that which is past. I forget all my failures and I forget that which is past. And I press forward to that which I've been called to. What have I been called to? He's been called to the full manifestation of Christ in his body. That's what he's talking about there. He's not talking about making it to heaven. That's why when Paul says, I have not yet attained, he's not saying I've not yet attained righteousness. God, no. He talks about righteousness as being a gift that he has forever. He's not talking about not being holy yet. He's not talking about not being a son yet. He's not talking about not being an heir yet. He's not talking about any of those things. He's talking about, I have not yet fully manifested what's inside of me. I have not yet attained the full blasting glory of the fullness of God that is inside this body. 
And I want it to blast out of me. I want the light to so shine out of me that men will see my Father in all of His glory and through this weak earthen vessel. That's what He meant. And none of us have attained to that fullness that He wants to blast through us. And we yearn for that. That I might know Him in the power of His resurrection, Paul said. That's what he's talking about. And we forget that which is past. And we press on to what we've been called to. What have we been called to? The manifestation of the invisible God that lives within us. And all our thoughts, words, and deeds. You know, like the, as the Spirit of God bears much fruit through us. That's what it means when I say, well, that's what I mean when I say to make the journey. And, and to go through life in His power. For we can do all things through Him who strengthens us. Okay, so this here's Elijah... And he says, the angel says, arise and eat. And he looked about, and there beside his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Notice the food was presented to him. He didn't have to go find it, get it, cake, cook it. It It's all there. That's Christ. We said earlier how Jesus said, he who comes to me will never hunger or thirst. doesn't mean you don't hunger for God. It means that when you have a, I think I want a snack. It's there. I think I'm hungry. It's there. It's like being on a cruise and you have this buffet that's laid out 24-7. It's always there. You're hungry, just go eat. You're thirsty, go drink. He who comes to Jesus, when you know the truth of who you are and who he is in you, there's never a lack. As David says, the Lord is a continual feast. He's not going anywhere, so why would he not be a continual feast? It makes sense. Jesus said, if you come to me, believe on me. If you drink of this water, woman... Samaritan woman, if you drink of this water, this water that, you, that, you're, that you're hearing from my lips, these, this promise of life that you're hearing from my lips, you're drinking of this water now. And it tastes good to you now. But if you, re- if you really receive what I'm saying, the water you're tasting now, woman, will become in you, will become in you a well springing up unto life. In other words, I am the source and you're drinking of what my words are saying. And you're saying, I've never heard it this way before. I've never felt this way before. And then he says, if you receive me, woman, I, the source, will come within. And I will live within you. A well will spring up within you that never runs dry. I am the well. I am the eternal water. He who comes to me will never hunger or never thirst. And that's why we have such bad teaching out there that talks to the Christian, talks to the believer about having to go through the wilderness and having to go through these times of no water, no food, God's testing your faith. No, not that we don't have hard times. I'm not saying that at all. We do go through wilderness outwardly. We do go through hard times outwardly, difficult times outwardly. But what the miracle of God is that inwardly there is a continual feast. Inwardly there's the water that flows from the rock continually. Don't strike the rock twice. Don't, don't Don't crucify Christ a second time. Speak to the rock. Just ask and it shall flow. The life is within. Outside, yes. In the world we shall have tribulation. In the world we shall have hard times. We live in a fallen world that hates God and hates you because you belong to God. I'm not saying you live a perfect life on this earth where there's no problems. Not at all. But in Christ, no matter what the world throws at you, you have a continual feast. In the world. That's why Jesus said in the world you shall have tribulations. You're going to have hard times. But be of good cheer, rejoice, because I have overcome the world and I now live in you. Who is he that overcomes the world, John says? Even he who believes 
This is that which overcomes the world, even our faith in him. Your faith linked to him who lives within you makes you invincible. They can kill the body, but they cannot touch you. It's awesome. Invincible. Your faith, simple faith linked to him makes you and I invincible because of him. It's awesome. So he wants us to be encouraged and and make this journey with strength no matter what the world's thrown at us. Okay. So Elijah got up and he ate and he drank and he laid down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time. Notice he laid down. He ate and drank and rested. Remember, eating and resting. Key to, key to walking in the Spirit is eating and resting. Picture of spiritual rest. Second time, the, the angel touched him. What does this teach? This teaches that you can't just eat one time. It's a continual eating. And I'm, I hope to share a verse in John chapter 6 to wrap it up. I think it will be really cool. The angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. Second time. We don't eat just once. We eat every day. See? We eat every day. So in the spirit. The angel says, Arise and eat or the journey will be too much for you. If we don't eat and rest, the journey will be too much for us. We're going to end up in heaven, but we won't, we won't have the life of abundance that we could have had on earth. There are believers who live way below what they could have enjoyed on earth. Way below. Because of lack of understanding, because of lack of faith, because of lack of encouragement. And that's why the body of Christ is so important to encourage each other, to remind each other of the truth of who we are in Him and who He is. So that we can have the fullness of, enjoy the riches that we have now in Christ and manifest those riches. That's how, that's how you become contagious. People say, what is it with you? Why do you have peace? Why do you have joy? Why do you, no matter what you're going through, you seem to have hope. Be ready to give an answer to every man of the hope that lies within you. See? God wants us to finish with, with power. Do you believe that's whenever Paul's referring to, uh, therefore you, or you will not partake of the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about the experience of heaven here. You mean when he says inherit the kingdom? No, I do believe that's something different. That's something different. Yeah, because he uses the word inherit. Inherit, not, not partake. Um, that verse that people get, that stumble on, that verse, all he's saying there is that if, if a person is acting this way, if they're living a life this way, a lifestyle of whatever he listed there, those are just fleshly things that show a lifestyle of living that way, then he's not an heir. See, it's not that you don't, because you don't lose your inheritance because of what you do. You lose your inheritance, or you don't ever have an inheritance because of who you were not. See? So what he was doing is just simply saying, hey, people that live like this, they have no inheritance in the kingdom. He says that, that's because Jesus was very clear. He said, a good tree will produce good fruit. He didn't make any. He says, a good tree will produce good fruit. A bad tree, he said, will produce bad fruit. That's right, the roots, that's right. The roots, the stem, we're, we're connected the to the vine. vine. The vine and the branch. Yep, the branch, the whole thing. That doesn't mean we're perfect. That doesn't mean we don't have any sin and we don't stumble in many ways, as James says. That doesn't mean we have... That's why it says some will, some will bear 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold fruit. doesn't mean that you're perfect, but I'm telling you, if you're a son, you will bear fruit. And if you're not a son, all the good you do 
is but filthy rags, it will not be the fruit that remains. As Jesus said, they will come, many will come to me in that last day and say, didn't we do this in your name? And he says, I never knew you. What's your name? I never knew you. <laughs> See, it's not a matter of, of them doing bad, so much bad that he kicks them out of the, their inheritance. I never knew you. You see? It's identity. It's not performance. So when Paul talks about these people will not inherit the kingdom, he's not saying don't act like this because you won't, you'll, you'll lose your inheritance. No, he's saying those people are obviously not heirs because the good tree will bear good fruit. See? Isn't that cool? So if you know you're an heir and you know your Christ is within you, and Paul did say that. He said examine yourself to make sure Christ is in you because otherwise you're still unregenerated. You know, that's a good question to ask anybody. Of course, you don't have to keep asking yourself that when you know you're regenerated. You know, one time when I was a young Christian, I was like constantly, you know, going down the aisle, you know, making sure I was saved and stuff. And, uh, and uh, the Spirit spoke to me so clearly. The Father said, he said, remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees, that if I said I did not know him, I would be a liar like you. The Father said, remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees, that if I said I did not know him, I would be a liar like you. And the Father said, you know me. I know you. They're like, Bang. It's like, rest, rest, rest. And the only time I ever had the interpretation of tongues in my entire life, I was in this meeting in New Orleans, and it was like, it was Morvan Gorman's meeting. It's like awesome. It's like worship and everything. And, and then Morvan Gorman started speaking in tongues at the, on the stage. And I was like, and I was like standing there. I was up in the balcony. And I was like, uh, and as he started speaking in tongues, in my mind, in my mind's eye, I saw this language that I couldn't read. And right above it was the English interpretation. And it was going from right to left, which is the way Hebrew is read. And it was like this, going as fast as he was talking. And it was like, and all it was, the message was, I am your father. You are my son. And I was like crying and weeping. And I was going, what the heck is this? I mean, it was so cool. It was like, it was like, it was like this thing. Like I remember saying, seeing the English above. It's like, you, I am your father. You are my son. And that was it. And I was like, and I was, I felt like I was out of my body almost like crying, like, like looking at myself crying almost like, what, what is this? What is this? It was a spiritual, you know, manifestation of the gift. God encouraging me, you know. And then after that, I, I thought, well, I, I can do this again, you know. So it, every, time I, every time I hear someone speaking in tongues, I go. <laughs> I thought maybe my head was cocked this way. <laughs> oh, no, no, I was sitting down. That's right. So I sat down. Never happened again. It was so cool. It was so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the Spirit gives the gifts as He wills. Never get stuck on some gift or manifestation and say, I'm not, a, I'm not as good a Christian as so-and-so because I don't have that manifestation. No, that's ridiculous. Baloney. God moves as He wills by the Spirit of God and manifests as He wills to encourage us, encourage the body. It's so cool. Um, how do we get off on that? Okay. Arise and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. Oh, no, we, I know. We were talking about what, what that means about the journey. Okay. He arose and ate and drank, Elijah. And with the strength from that meal, he walked 40 days and 40 nights as far as the mountain of God of Oreb, which is where the law was given. 40 days and 40 nights. In the scripture that speaks of, of trials and tribulation. It speaks of, you know, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days with, with Satan. Israel was in 40, 40 years in the wilderness. 40 speaks of, of a time of, of testing and tribulation. In other words, you'll make it to the end with 
glorious power if we eat and drink and rest is what, it, is what the scripture is teaching us there. Okay. Oh, gosh. Don't have enough time to finish. Let's do, let's do John 6 real quick. John 6. We don't have time to, to read it, but when you get a chance, read the, the whole chapter, if you can. Gospel of John, chapter 6. Jesus is talking about how he was the true bread. We're talking about food. True bread that came out of heaven. He said, not like the manna that came to your fathers, that they ate and died. This bread, if you eat, you shall never die. Okay, the manna was a picture of Christ. They did not know what manna was. They had never seen it before. Eating of Christ is a whole new experience far into the natural and far into religion. Manna would appear on a daily basis. They were forbidden to take more than enough for the day. If they took more than enough for a day, it turned into worms. Double amount would appear on Friday, so they'd have enough for Sabbath on Saturday. Because rest, eating and rest, are important. So God made sure they had plenty, so they would not be out there working on, Sunday, on Saturday. All a picture of the rest we have in Christ. Don't start keeping the Sabbath day holy or anything. Those are all shadows of what we have in Christ. The manna, the scripture says, tasted like honey. And it formed on, the, on the, the leaves and on the ground like dew, and it became a wafer. It became a wafer like, like bread. It looked like bread. And it tasted like honey. Jewish tradition says it tasted like whatever they were yearning for. That it wasn't just the honey was sweet, but it was, what it, it was like if they yearned for cranberries, or they, they, it had a taste of cranberry, or whatever they yearned for. That was Jewish tradition. I don't know if that's true or not, but I wouldn't put it past God to do that. I mean, 40 years having the same manna, I bet he did that. You know? So, that's, and the scripture says, all right, here it is. We'll look at this again next Sunday. Jesus said this, I am the true bread. And he said this. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Now, he also said this in, in John 6. It's, in the Greek, it's actually a continual eating, not just one time. A continual eating of his flesh and his blood. We see that in the communion or in the Lord's Supper, a continual eating in remembrance of him. Now, he's not talking about the Lord's Supper here, as some people say. In fact, they even said, how can we eat your flesh and drink your blood? And many walk with him no more because the saying was too hard for the natural mind to, to understand. And that's when Jesus said, the words I'm speaking to you are spirit and they are life. I'm not talking about physical flesh and blood. I'm talking about spirit and life. So this is the key, saints. And we'll talk more hopefully next Sunday about it. You and I need to eat the meal you need to eat every day. And you can't really go a day without eating this. Just like the manna. And this meal produces the rest. It's all one package. It, when you eat it, it produces the rest. Okay, and this is it. When he says, my flesh and my blood, he's talking about one specific thing. Death. That's why it says when we have the Lord's Supper, we do show the Lord's death until he comes. The broken body and the spilled blood speaks of death. Okay? What he wants us to remember, as he said in the covenant meal, do this in remembrance of me. This, my body is broken for the remission of sin. 
My blood is the blood of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. This is a new covenant now where God has, remembers your sin no more. The main meal to eat every day, saints, is this. Remember Him. And more specifically, remember that He no longer counts your sins against you. That, saints, is what keeps the heavens open. It is the one thing. They overcame the beast by the word of their testimony. By the, by the, uh, no, by the, I'm sorry. They overcame the, the, they overcame the beast by the blood of the lamb, by his death. And by the word of their testimony, they agreed with God. They spoke the truth. And they loved not their lives, even unto the death. The beast could destroy their body, but couldn't destroy their spirit. Because they ate of this meal and rested. Every day, saints, this is one of the keys to walking in the spirit. Every day, eat and drink of him. Remember that he counts our sins against us no more. This is the covenant in his blood. As he, as he said of Israel, in Romans, he said of Israel, this is the covenant that I will make in Israel in that day when I shall take away their sins. That simple statement. This is the covenant I will make with Israel in that day when I shall take away their sins. Eat and drink of this reality every day. And heaven shall be your air that you breathe. And his nearness will be your drink and your meat. Every single day. That's what he got for us. That's what he purchased for us. Awesome. Lord, thank you for this awesome union that we have in you. Thank you for the meal. The meal that causes us to transcend this world. For Moses saw God sitting down with men on a blue sapphire. And men ate and drank with God. Oh, Father, we, we have that now in Christ. We have that now in you. Thank you, Father. For the blue sapphire of heaven. Jesus, thank you, Lord. All within us. Within us. Fear not. Greater is he who is within you than he who is in this world. Amen. Amen. Amen.